0: CalCast is delivered by FedEx. From where it's sourced to where it's used, FedEx helps deliver global e-commerce. FedEx has been helping e-commerce for years with networks built over 40 years and delivers to over 220 countries and territories. Visit FedEx.com slash The Journey to learn more. FedEx offers the tools to start a small business. And thanks to their global e-commerce network, they can deliver them too. Again, visit FedEx.com slash The Journey to learn more. Today's guest, Stephen A. Smith. What I love about Stephen A., he's going to tell you the truth. He's going to tell you... What he believes he's going to give you his position and his opinion, but it's going to be well thought out. It's going to be researched. He's going to tell you exactly why he feels the way he feels, whether you agree, whether you don't agree. Now, sometimes he says it loudly and screaming when he says it, but he's like a coach. I just want to know what he's saying. Always from the heart. Cares. Yeah, he cares. Is he prideful? He's prideful in the fact that he knows where he came from and he doesn't forget where he's come from. And he doesn't forget that walk along the way where he started, where he was a volunteer intern and did it in different places and was willing to do whatever he had to to climb. And then when he got in there, get promoted from one thing to the other and then read the tea leaves, knowing the paper business is going south, man. I got to position myself to be able to do more. And he's done that. One of the best at what he does moves the needle. Stephen A. Smith. Got a special guest today. Guy I've known for a long time. Stephen A. Smith. That's right. Stephen A. Smith. This Coach, guy What what you you look. Here, I got to say this before you cut in, which I knew you would. <laughs> am I more polarizing than you? That's my first question out of the gate. They tell me I'm polarizing. I'm like, why am I polarizing?
1: I said, what about Steve? Well, I would say, I would say no, but only because you're not on the air as much as I am, because you got a real <laughs> job. You actually coach <laughs> That's all. Well, that's all. Where,
0: where, all right, we, we got to say this. Um, you grew up with four older sisters and a younger brother. Um, no, an
1: older brother. Older brother. I'm the youngest of six.
0: You're the baby. You're I'm the, the
1: baby. You're
0: the mama's boy. You yes, I oh, am. <laughs> oh my gosh All right, so so look look you're not just you're not just opinionated you're 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 you go through stuff and you study stuff, and then you get your opinion, and that's your opinion. Where did you start? I mean, when yeah. you were in your house, was it like a dog fight to get your opinion out tell me tell me some of that well, stuff
1: it, it was it was a dog fight because uh, I have four outspoken, bigger, older sisters, and so as a result. I was supposed to be spoken to, but I was not supposed to respond. And when I tried to be that defined individual, I was usually ganged up upon. And my mother encouraged me to fight because she wasn't gonna always be there to protect me, obviously. And so that's the way that it went, but my mother always made it a point. You know, she always thought be be fair in pursuit of the truth. And in the process, get to know people and the reason why those elements were so important in my life is because when I decided to get into journalism as you well know from your days of coaching at UMass when we first met and I was covering Temple and what have you you know no matter what anybody said about Coach Cal or Bruiser Flint who's a buddy of mine or the list goes on and on my attitude is okay you got access what excuse do you have for not doing your homework, putting forth your due diligence, and getting to know them as people so you not just know what they do, but you know what they stand for? The greater you understand that, the greater understanding you have of them. Therefore, when you stand in judgment, even if it's just of their actions as opposed to who they are, you have some foundation upon which to stand because you reached out and you made a concerted effort to get to know people which was something that was encouraged uh, by me to my mother from a very very early age all
0: right so tell me about your father tell me tell me the impact you know because usually for all of us you get one thing from mom and dad gives you another Mm -hmm. thing and you and we've been blessed that way so tell me tell me your dad
1: My father was about discipline. Uh, My father and I did not have the greatest relationship in the world, but he's been married to my mother for 60 years. Um, he he, He is an individual that was always about discipline. He always made sure to remind me that the world doesn't owe you anything. More importantly, the world knows that more so than anybody else. They will never give you anything. They're unapologetic about that. And if you want things, you have to go out and get it and understand that the world, even though it's not literally diametrically opposed to you, like it's, it's isolated you and it's, it's profiled you in the end. It's, it's, it lacks compassion. Because it's just being itself, which is the world. And you've got to go out there and make your own opportunities happen. And if you don't, you're not going to have anybody to blame but yourself. And nobody's going to feel any kind of compassion for you whatsoever. That's what I was wow. taught. To. I was wow. Taught, and that's wow. what I was held to.
0: Wow. Let me, let me just say, your dad would be a heck of a recruiter. Because I'm telling you, <laughs> as much as kids want to be stroked and all that, they need to hear the truth. Yeah. They need to hear the truth. Look, you know what I say? I don't have a magic wand. I don't have a potion. You're responsible for you. Now, I'm going to put Mm-mm. you on a stage. I'm going to train you. I'm going to push you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to make you do the things you got to do. But at the end of the day, you're up there. I'm not up there. You got to do this. And and it's helped us to be clear in that. I mean, and and that's how about this? Your sisters had to beat you up. Did they beat you up?
1: Sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, my, my sister Abigail usually was the one that put her hands on me. <laughs> Carmen, was <too> preoccupi- <laughs> Carmen was too preoccupied as a teenager. <laughs> Carmen was too preoccupied as a teenager with her boyfriend, which he ultimately married. Linda was the big sister that was helping mom uh, take care of the family. And Arlen was just a tyrant because she was like, if you ever saw that show, The Odd Couple, and the character Felix Unger, Under- where he was this absolute neat freak, uh, that was my sister Arlen. Everything was about cleanliness. Everything was about cleaning up, making up the bed, watching the dishes, taking out the garbage, cleaning the house. She was a tyrant in that regard. And because my mother had her, my mother never had to worry about us not doing what we were supposed to do as it pertained to cleaning the house because she knew that Arlen would make sure that we did just that.
0: And Abigail beat your brains in. I
1: love how you Abigail said it. Used to slap you me, said, Abigail you slapped me upside you, my head.
0: There you go. You, I love the way you said that. And I'll do that because I had an older sister that would, you know put her hands mm-hmm. put her hands on me that's right you know my that's my right. son my son's got an older sister that puts her knuckles on him so it's oh lord no, no, it's good stuff. And by
1: the way, and you learn, and when you learn, when you grow up around around ladies, you learn they can hit you. You cannot hit them back.
0: No, that's... You they, cannot no, hit them you, back. You,
1: you, it, have to, you have to take it. You can grab them to stop them from hitting you, but that's about as far as it goes. You do not strike a woman under any circumstances. That's what we've always taught.
0: Oh, yeah. If you did that, you, you weren't a man. That's not what men.
1: That's do. when dad. That's when dad oh, would remind you that you ain't oh, the man that oh, you think you come, are.
0: Come on over here. That's come on over he here. Remember. I can. <laughs> I, I can remember getting flipped down the steps and say, "What just happened?" All right. Let me. Let me that's hit. Right. Let me hit this with you. You know, again, you talk about doing your homework. Um, mm-hmm. You. You started as a writer. Um, yes, sir. And I mean, you couldn't just. Well, I'll be honest with you. Nowadays, it's a little different in that if you write crazy stuff, you get called out. Um, mm-hmm. Back in the day, um, you know, could, guys would get away with it. But you always did. Like you said, you wanted to get to know people. I'm not just trying to write what I what I see. and I want to write what I know. And that was how you did those things. And you had an impact with that on the reader. Talk about that you know, as a writer, how it has helped you do what you're doing today, but you're still a writer.
1: Well, the thing about it is, is that I think writing brings credibility. Um, You know, a lot of people can talk, uh, but when you sit down and put pen to paper, figuratively speaking, of course, with the age of computers and what have you, um, when you put pen to paper, uh, it gives you a little bit more credibility. As an African-American, I felt that was incredibly important because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't perceive myself as an individual who was going to build a successful career for myself smiling in front of the cameras and reading a prompter. That, did, that was something I did not believe had longevity attached to it. And so as a result of that, I was very, very sensitive about that reality, and I wanted to make sure that I had a level of credibility. And believe it or not, even though you and I have, have spoken on many occasions, we've never spoken about what I'm about to tell you. You had a profound impact on my career in ways that you did not realize. Because I got to Philadelphia writing for the Inquirer in nearly the immediate aftermath of the whole John Cheney, John Calipari fiasco. And so John Cheney at the time had a particular opinion about John Calipari. As a result, folks in Philadelphia had a particular opinion about John Calipari. Well, I happen to like John Calipari because I liked his suits, number one. I always thought you dressed pretty fly. And number two, and more importantly, you did something that I felt was very, very important that made the believability factor elevate in my mind. No matter what it was you did, you always had an explanation and you never hid, you never hid from the responsibility of explaining your position. It didn't matter whether we agree or disagreed with you. You had a point of view that you were willing to express and did not go into hiding. As somebody in the field of journalism, that was something that was very important to me because when my antennas go up is when PR folks, sports information directors, media relations departments and others are speaking for grown individuals more than capable of speaking for themselves. And that was something that you were never prone to doing. So as a result, when I started talking, to, uh, talking about you, eventually I met you and I started talking to you. And you never hesitated to talk to me. And you always gave me a healthy perspective, which I took back to Philadelphia. And to take positive opinions back to Philadelphia about you at that particular time did not necessarily ingratiate me (laughs) to the Philadelphia audience. But they soon learned I didn't give a damn. I cared about what, what, what brought me closest to the truth. And as a result, people got to know me for being that individual. And that's ultimately what shaped my career. Somebody that strives to be honest, that strives to be accurate. Most of the time you succeed, sometimes you may not, but no one has ever questioned my integrity or my fairness about people that I cover because that's first and foremost in my heart. Always striving to be as fair as I possibly can be, and John Calipari had a lot to do well, with helping me establish that about myself.
0: Well, I, you know, I appreciate that, and 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 sometimes you and I speaking our mind and 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 the truth yep. as we see it, and 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 it's well thought out. We do get in trouble sometimes, and you know what though? Yeah, we sleep good at night. You know, I'm, I'm feeling. You know, I, I sleep good at night. Let me let me let me shift for you. Um, yeah. You uh you were a pretty good player uh in your own right and and you went to Winston-Salem State to play for one of the great coaches hall of fame coaches one of the best to ever coach uh got hurt and all that and you had to move but talk about Clarence Gaines a little bit for 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 those that don't know Clarence Big House Gaines you don't understand the impact one that he had on the profession of coaching basketball and of coaches, whether it be John Thompson, all these guys, Clarence Gaines was huge in our profession.
1: Uh, Well, he had a lot to do with integrating the sport of basketball. On a personal level, he was a father figure to me because even though my mom and dad have been married for many years, it's not something that I talk about because my mother never wants me to. But I've never really had a close relationship uh, with my father uh, for, for reasons I'll never publicize out of respect to my mother. But the thing about it is is that Coach Gaines uh, was always a father figure to me. He was somebody that instilled uh, not just a level, uh, the discipline level. My father definitely succeeded in that regard. But Coach Gaines instilled a, a strong level of belief in myself. Uh, Making me recognize that not only would I have to work for everything, but if indeed I did work, I would achieve it. He wasn't one of those people that lean towards you're black. So as a result, you'll never get a fair chance. And as a result, don't bother striving to succeed because you're going to come up short. Coach Gaines never believed that. His mentality was you keep working and you keep working and you keep grinding because that is life, and everybody has its pitfalls. Don't expect people to feel sorry for you, and don't feel sorry for yourself. Keep going after it. Um, but he used to sit there, and the most profound thing he would do for me, Coach, is what I'm sure you do for a lot of your players. Most of the time, I'm talking about four to five days a week, easy. I was in his office an hour a day. And we were never talking about basketball. It was always about life. It was about career aspirations. It was about current events. It was about politics. It was about a lot of different things. And he would talk to me about you know, being the rebel that I was, he said, that may work for you in some ways. Well, what you're going to do when it works against you? Because inevitably it will. How are you preparing yourself for that? He would talk to me about all of those things. Wow. He would talk to me about the great John McClendon. John McClendon, who would, um, who would, along with him, helped, uh, you know, integrate the sport of college basketball and beyond. He would talk about those experiences that they endured. And he reminded us that no matter what we're going through, It's nothing compared to what they went through. So if they didn't have an excuse for not succeeding, why the hell should the rest of us And that was his mentality. And he embraced black, he embraced white, he embraced anybody who was fair-minded and was about putting in the work. He didn't give a damn what your ethnicity was. And those are the kind of things that translated to me. He always let me know, you can speak your mind. As a black person, you could even speak about the community and what ails you, but never shortchange folks who are fair and fair-minded and about speaking the truth no matter who they are, because they're all just as much of contributors to society as you aspire to be. And when you combine all of that with the great Dean Smith, the Dick McGuires of the world, the Billy Packers of the world, and others, just mentioning the fact that I played for Coach Gaines has opened so many doors for me because he was so profoundly respected that because they knew he had chosen me as one of his players, they knew there was something that had to be special about me, and they opened their hearts to conversations with me, to advice and counsel and things of that nature that I've taken with me the rest of my life.
0: You know, it's, um, I got to tell you, I, I got one of the great letters. Now, you have to understand, I got letters on my office wall from presidents. I've got pictures and uh, different things, but I have one letter. Um, again, when I say, you know, the President Obama, we go any sense of, but one letter from a coach I have up there, Ben Joe. Medjom wrote me a letter when we were platooning to give me the history. And, and he talked about Coach McClendon. and He talked about uh, all this stuff and how pleased he was with what was going on and how I was coaching these young men. And, you know, again, guys like that have and fit, feel and felt a sense of responsibility to more than just themselves. And mm-hmm. that's what, when I look at guys like him and guys like Ben Job, their careers, anybody that played for those guys, you talk to them and their face glows. And so, you know, you having a chance, man, how blessed are you that you had a chance to be there? Hey, you get hurt, but it wasn't that. It's you still, f- I can feel in your voice, and you had a chance to sit and talk and spend time and start you know, all of us at that age, Stephen A., we really don't know who we are or what we're going to be or how. And someone's got to steer you in a way. And, and you are blessed, boy.
1: Blessed. I, 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 I tell you, one of the things listening to you, Coach, what, what I, I, I would be remiss in neglecting to mention that I got from Coach Gaines, if there's one thing to peel out in terms of how he's benefited my life, One of the things I pride myself in saying is that I might be on TV every day forced by virtue of my profession to judge what you do. That is entirely different than judging who you are. And Coach Gaines made it a point to emphasize and embed that in my brain and teach me that over and over and over again. Because when you're young, you know, no disrespect to youngsters, but when you're young, you're dumb. And what that means is you just don't have the wisdom of experience and counsel compared to what you're going to have when you're older. And so when you had Coach Gaines looking at me as a college athlete who had his knee cracked in half, you know, and all of this other stuff that, that, that derailed my career, The lessons that he was teaching me was he told everybody, he said, because this boy wants to be somebody and he's going to pull it off. And I want to make sure he knows. And so it's carried me along the way. When I think about, you know, Coach Cal comes on the show whenever I call him, which is why I had to be on here today. Couldn't say no to you. I think about Coach K. I think about, you know, all of these coaches, the Cheneys of the world and and John Thompson's of the world and so many others that I can pick up the phone and just call them and have a conversation, why? Because of the lessons that Coach Gaines taught me, you know, to appreciate greatness, to understand the work that was put into it, to understand the positives that y'all give, which far exceed any negatives, and ultimately develop and show an appreciation As I'm younger than you guys. And one of the things that disgusts me a lot is, you know, respect our elders, particularly the accomplished ones that have paved the way for so many of us. That's really, really a big thing with me. Yes, I can relate to the new school. I'm I'm one of them and I get that, but I have an old school mentality because it was right. We can adapt, we can adjust to the modern times and whatever, but it can't be at the expense of appreciating those who paved the way for these youngsters to get away with being exactly who they are. And that's something that I hold near and dear to my soul to make sure that the old school guys that have done it always understand that as long as I'm breathing and I'm making noise in this business, I will never allow a younger generation of folks to forget those who have done things for them to enable them to be where they are who they are, and what they are.
0: Let's take a quick time out. If you run or work for a business, you need to listen up. I've written books that show the parallels that exist between coaching talent on the basketball court and in business. As a leader, you can't win without great people. And to be successful, you want the very best people on your team and not on your competition's team. The key is finding the best candidates when you're hiring. And what's The best way for your business to find the best candidates, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter already has 9 million resumes that you can easily search through in their database. You can find the top candidates in any city or industry nationwide. And with ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to more than 200 job sites with a single click. And yes, that will include social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, too. No more wasting time sifting through tons of emails or voicemails from subpar candidates. ZipRecruiter makes it easy to quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCal. See why more than 1 million businesses have used ZipRecruiter and why you should too. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCow. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash CoachCow. So here's something Ellen and I love about Blue Apron. We can go online and choose meals for upcoming weeks from their incredible selections. Blue Apron lets you customize your recipes and select the delivery option of your choice. And get this, there's no weekly commitment. You only get deliveries when you want them. If you're going on vacation or out of town, you can easily choose to skip that week's meals. Here are some of the great meals coming up in May that you could be enjoying, just like me and Ellen. Beef teriyaki stir-fry with sugar snap peas and lime rice. How about three-cheese baby broccoli stromboli with tomato and oregano dipping sauce? And Blue Apron delivers perfectly portioned amounts of ingredients for each recipe. That means no food waste, no more wasting time and money at the grocery store buying full jars of ingredients for a single recipe. It's no wonder they are the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping. By going on blueapron.com slash coach. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash coach. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right, so we're going to shift this. I'm going to throw the name, John Saunders. I cried when I heard he passed. I mean, what kind of... of, I mean, let's just say this. That smile... Was he the kindest person you ever met? Would would he, Uh, he would give out? beyond that. I mean, he would give, he was a giver. He was, I mean, tell the impact that John Saunders had on you.
1: Well, he was a mentor. He was a visor. He was a dear friend and a big brother to me. Um, You know, people saw me on the air being a little bit emotional. They never saw that from me before because I was literally on first take in commercial break when when I got the news that John Saunders had passed. Um, And we had to respond immediately. And it was just devastating uh, to know that he was gone. And you know to to know that he had his health battles and what have you with diabetes and other things, he had gotten into a car accident as well. Uh, He was having a lot of issues, but I had just seen him the previous Friday and we were planning on having dinner together the very next week just to catch up because we hadn't had dinner in like the previous year. And um, he was always somebody that has been there for me throughout my career always there to give advice and counsel and counsel, um, and always had my back. Uh, he was an individual that, that, you know, would never hesitate to help all of us. He got along with everybody, uh, white, black, etc. but he was unapologetically black as it pertained to, the plight of African Americans coming up in this business yeah. making sure that you yep. making sure you did the work and you deserved what you wanted to be recognized for but at the same time if you put in that work and you were worthy and you deserved it he wanted you to have it he was never threatened by you he never worried about what kind of impact you would have because he was very self-assured. He knew there would always be a place for him. And he was absolutely right because he had been in the industry in excess of 30 years. He had been outstanding for the ESPN, ABC family. um, And it's still a devastating loss that we'll never get over him, nor Stuart Scott. You know what, what, what I
0: say with, because there, there've got to be a lot of millennials listening to this that would love to get into broadcasting and, and, and what, the only thing that disappoints me now with guys, they think the most outlandish thing I can say that I'm going to do this, that, and the other versus a John Saunders, that if John Saunders had an opinion of me, and I'll be honest with you, you too, I know it's not personal. It's your opinion. Mm-hmm. You have a right to an right. opinion and so does he. I'm fine. Right. Now, if a guy is an agenda driven uh, working for another coach, trying to 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 create a narrative, and then sometimes create a narrative for their whole career to move their career. I don't deal with those people. Don't care what they say because I get it. Guys like John Saunders didn't. They would never have done that. That to them was not professional. Professionals, you have an opinion. That to me, you have yeah. a right to an opinion, but people respect your opinion, because they know there's no agenda behind this. There's no negative feelings. It's just, it's how I feel. And you have a right to that. And he was always that way.
1: Well, listen, he was always that way uh, because he came up old school. And to some degree, I did. Uh, There's a very, very famous actor in Hollywood who I'm friends with. I won't won't mention his name because I don't want to put him on front street like that. But he said something to me, for example, about bloggers. He said, bloggers can't approach him. And I said, why not? He said, they didn't put in the work. I know when I look at you, or I look at John Saunders and others, you put in the work. You are, you have been a journalist. You have earned the right to be in front of our face asking us questions. You can't just grab a a microphone or a camera and think that you get to go in somebody's face, asking them a bunch of questions, trying to be inquisitive or interrogative. That ain't going to cut the mustard. And I totally agree with that. And I understand where that's coming from. What we have is the situation in this world today where, unfortunately, even though it may disgust us, it's really not the blogger's fault. Somehow, some way, if you get enough hits to a website, if you get enough folks trying to clamor towards a headline or whatever the case may be, you could actually serve to monetize that. And in this world that we're living in, this capitalistic society that we're under, it's all about the Benjamin. So anything that could get you money, people are going to entertain doing, for crying out loud. And that's where we are. But it's still up to the combination of me, you, and so many of us in your respective industry, my industry and others to understand that there's a standard to this that must be upheld. Now, you can have opinions But it can't, like you said, be rife with personal stuff. It's got to be objective based on the information that is out there. And more importantly, you're supposed to make some sort of effort to probe deeper and to find out what you can find out, because from a human perspective, there's supposed to be an inherent obligation due to decency, if nothing else, to make sure that you do just that. Unfortunately, we live in a world that that doesn't promote that. It doesn't help you succeed and monetize off of that. A matter of fact, at ESPN, we recently had layoffs. There's a whole bunch of individuals that are incredibly qualified as successful journalists that are out of jobs today because revenue beget, you know, ratings beget revenue. Revenue obviously leads the way, and when you don't have that, heads ultimately are going to roll in the world of business. That's the code everybody's living by. Ethics have dissipated before our very eyes and it's up to those of us like myself and a few others who are actually doing both generating ratings and generating revenue to uphold some level of standard so we can do what we can in terms of our small part to save the standard that once existed.
0: You know, I, I gotta say this. I called a couple of the people, um, that, uh, didn't make the you know the, the just some of the best people I've ever met that ESPN called yep. and I, I talked to a couple of them today and just to tell them look yes. I've been fired I don't know have you ever been fired
1: yes I have
0: so yes we, I have. So, remember
1: ESPN let me go in 2009 they right. brought me back in 2011 let's not forget that
0: yeah 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 and, and you know, I've been fired you stayed under the covers for a couple of days correct you don't want to. Yep. I mean, come on. We, we live this. And I told them, be be about your family. There's people around you that are going to be affected more than you, and they're going to worry and be led by you. Some of these mm-hmm. become an open door. In other words, one door shuts, another door opens for you. Go through it and run with it. I I look at some of this stuff in, with ESPN, and it's basic. It's not the ratings. It's what these millennials, how they're getting their information. And ESPN got to figure that out because that the importance to ESPN, to all of us that play and coach and are in sports, you're talking about some of the best people, the most honorable people that do a great job of informing and all that. I mean they got to figure out where is this all going? I mean and and for me when I see what's happening um, and there's less viewers less viewers less they they're figuring it out they're in the middle of that right now. And you're right it has nothing to do with talent. It has nothing to do with you, you got guys that are versatile, can do different jobs. It's like okay, we we've got we've got to step back here and get this right as we try to step forward. So my, you know, I'm feeling for those guys. I've been fired. I know what it feels like. Um, You know, some of the, even if I, I'm not fond of some of the guys, I feel for them because I've had to live that. And I would want no one to go through what I had to go through.
1: I completely concur with that. But expanding the conversation, certainly not about the talent at ESPN because they've done their job. And certainly under better circumstances, they wouldn't even be in this situation because of the tremendous work that they've done throughout the years. But I do think it's a perfect opportunity to me, for me to touch on something that I think is very important in any profession coach. Here's where I stand. When I give lectures throughout this country and I talk at universities and beyond and do all of those kind of things, When folks ask me about my success and what's my focus, I literally say this to them. Unless I own, until I wake up owning my own business, this is my approach every day. How can I generate money and success for my bosses is point number one. And point number two, how can I get a piece of it? That has to be the focus. On far too many occasions, we, we lock in and zero in on what we want from folks as opposed to thinking about what we can give. And when you're not thinking about what you have to give and what you can give that's beneficial to parties other than yourself, then you'll find yourself getting very little compared to what you may indeed deserve. And so a lot of times it's a level of focus. And I bring that up because, remember, I was a newspaper. Well, you know this as well as I do, Coach. The newspaper business has been dying for years. That's why I transitioned into television. When I would make television appearances and they wouldn't pay me, I would tell them all I want. At the time, it was a VHS copy. It wasn't DVDs. I said, can you make a VHS copy? And what I did was I compiled a bunch of them. Why? Because I turned that into a portfolio. That portfolio manufactured into the NBA insider for CNN SI and then for Fox sports, which turned into the best damn sports show period, which ultimately had ESPN calling me in 2003 to be the NBA columnist for the worldwide leader. This is while I was still a columnist in the newspaper industry. Why? Because I saw the forest from the trees. I saw that, the internet was coming of age and that you could write news and what once resonated profoundly for days upon days at a time, because this particular paper broke the news. Now everyone would claim it as their own inside of two minutes because of the advent of social media, which means that if you're in the news business, you're not needed as much unless you're a personality because you can get the news from anybody, but you can't get the personality everywhere. And so seeing that I said, okay, how can I best become a personality which is going to facilitate me making more money? Well, in our business, it's newspaper, I'm sorry, it's television and radio, because writers usually are not personalities. The personalities emanate from voices and voices that are also visual. That's how you become a voice, and that's how you become a personality. And a lot of people in newspaper didn't want to see that. And what you have to understand, business doesn't have an opportunity, doesn't have an obligation, rather, to see things before you do when it comes to you. They have to see things before it materializes when it comes to themselves. But when it comes to you, you are the one that has to have the foresight to think ahead. John Calipari coaching. You were at UMass. You go to the Nets. You come out. You're an assistant coach in Philly. You take the Memphis job that materializes into Kentucky. You were happy at Memphis. You didn't have miserable times at UMass, but guess what? You saw where the better opportunities lied and you saw it ahead of time and you snatched it, and that's why you have the career that you have. It ain't just because you were successful. It's because you saw where you could be successful and what that success in those particular places could potentially materialize into, and now you're a Hall of Famer. This is what comes with it. It's not just about what people do. It's about how they conduct themselves, and it's about their foresight. And a lot of times people are not thinking about that, but in this day and age, everybody needs to think like that.
0: You know, it it's you, you read the tea leaves. You read the tea leaves. Yes. Yeah, ESPN needs to read the tea leaves right now. Where is this going? Yeah. All right. Where is it going? How do we capitalize on where this stuff is going? Get ahead of this. I gotta tell you, I've never said this before. Okay? This is the first time I've ever said this. When I go to a university, the first thing I wanna do, my work is I want this athletic director to be the Athletic Director of the Year. So when I had Bob Markham at UMass, he finished second in the AD of the Year. R.C. Johnson, when I was at Memphis, all I wanted, I want these guys to get extensions, pay raises, and I want them to become AD of the Year in the country. Mitch Barnhart, here, that's my first thing. You know what the second thing is? I'm really into everywhere I've been, Let me see applications. Where are applications? Are they up? Where is enrollment? What about test scores on our campus? What about the student body? Do we hit every state? How many countries? How? I mean, I think adding value to my boss and to this campus translates into value for me. Now, my whole thing is, if I can work for everybody else, it's amazing what will happen for me. I've shifted a little bit, as you know, and it happened in 2010 when five guys went in the first round. I said, wait a minute, what, what, what just happened? And now it becomes, I'm about these kids and their families making it. And if they leave, I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to worry about me. We may have, are you ready? Nine players leave from this team I'm just coaching nine you ready for this where are we where are Mm. we ranked right now where are people ranking i'm telling you i'm losing nine guys we don't have 22 guys on scholarship we have 12 so tell me they have us ranked one two or three in the country i don't even have a team and you know what we'll go into next year's the youngest team in the country based on the fact that kids have an opportunity to leave and i'm good with that
1: well Coach, here's what, I think, here's what I think you're missing. And I'm going to tell the audience this about you because we go back, what is it now, almost 25 years. This is what the audience doesn't realize about you. You're like me. You're like a lot of people in this sense. You don't do betrayal. You ain't playing that game. You know, you're not going to wake up one day and get blindsided and backstabbed by people you've trusted and tolerate that. That's fair. But the key thing about you is that you can say anything you want to John Calapari. You can even say it publicly. Just pick up the phone and call him or tell him to his face first because he can take it. Now he might argue with you. If he disagrees with you and if he agrees with you, he'll say so. But what you're not going to do is personalize it when somebody's professional and decent about how they come at you. The reason why that reality resonates so much is because whether it's in coaching, whether it's in the media, whether it's in corporate America, everyone, so many, I should say everyone, but so many people seem to have a real, real issue with hearing truth if they don't like it. And that's contributed to how we've devolved as a society. Because we can't seem to take it. I can take it. You can take it. We can also speak up for ourselves on our behalf, and we don't sit around worrying about the ramifications of something that may be true. We'll just deal with it. (laughs) Not many people, not many people are like that. And that is a big problem, coach. It just is.
0: You know what makes a hot Papa John's pizza made with fresh, high quality ingredients taste even better? Getting it for 40% off. With Papa John's Papa Slam promotion, every time a Major League Baseball player hits a grand slam, you get 40% off the regular menu price of your favorite pizza the next day by entering the code Papa Slam at papajohns.com or Papa John's app on your mobile device. Think it doesn't happen often? You're wrong. Follow Papa John's on Twitter, and you'll know when that Papa Slam has been hit so you can save 40% on your pizza the next day. And don't forget, it's happening all season long from the official pizza of Major League Baseball, Papa John's. But a Grand Slam isn't the only way to save on those Papa John's pizzas. You can use my special code, CoachCal, Every day of the week and save 25% off the regular menu price on everything, including great sides like cheese sticks or wings to go along with your pizza. Again, you can enjoy a great deal from our friends at Papa John's by going to PapaJohns.com or right on your device with the Papa John's app. Better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's. All right, let me say this. You know there are a lot of people that don't like me. But there are a lot of people that I don't like, too. I don't know if I told you that. So we're, I'm okay yeah, with both, that. Well, you know I know. Yeah, okay. You know I know that. So, so here's my my new thing. When when someone starts and they're like, you know, you're this and you're that, you're this. I, my new one is, I agree. Can we move on? Like, <laughs> I agree I gotta with you. That I <laughs> got to <laughs> try that one. I got to try that one. I agree. You're, no, you this. Okay. I agree with you. Can we move on now? And, you know, th- this life that we live as we get older... It becomes – I love how you reflect back on the people along the way because as we're rolling early, we're trying to survive. Stephen A., we're trying to survive. There's no basement to go back to. There's no dad's business and mom and and I can go back and work in the family. What? This becomes about – got to make it and we got this. But eventually you get to the point of, all right – now what's really important? What 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 moves me? What makes me what makes me wake up every day? Do you honestly think and you know me? I said to somebody, I don't know how many wins I have, but I know how many players are in the NBA that I coached. What right. what moves me? Look, I want to win. Look, here, here's the funny thing. I gotta say this. And Cal doesn't care about winning. He only care he doesn't care about this and this. He only cares about getting kids to the NBA. If you pin that on me, I'd probably say that's that's you can say that and I wouldn't be all upset. But it's not true. It is we've won more games in eight years than any program. We've been to more regional finals than any program. We've been to more Final Fours than any program. We've been to two national championship games. We won one. We've won the SEC title regular season and in, in 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 tournament title ten times. I I you can say what you want, but it's not about winning for me here. Winning becomes, how are these kids doing and how am I doing? And everybody, oh, you're just trying to recruit. Really? We've graduated 17 players in my eight years. These kids have lifetime scholarships. And you know what I'm telling them when I recruit? Your window is three to four years for this basketball. Your window for this academics well, is your life. Is your life. You're going to have, they, you're gonna they have, they're have they're it then.
1: Here's the deal. Coach, this is not an insult. It's a compliment. You're a salesman, not just a coach. People hate you for that. My point is this. What the hell are you supposed to be if you're trying to get people to come to your program? What you? The problem is they look this – is, this is the problem that I don't think you realize at times, Coach. They're looking at the finished product. Who wouldn't come to Kentucky? I'm sorry. When did John Calipari get to Kentucky? I thought that he was at Memphis before that. I thought that he was at UMass years before that. I, when, you didn't wake up and start coaching at Kentucky. But they no. don't want to see that. Because, listen, I just went in. I just had some writer who doesn't even ain't even worth mentioning his name anymore tried to undress me because – of the ESPN layoff. And I'm like, my heart goes out to all my colleagues and contemporaries who suffer from this plight. I've been there, I understand it. And anybody that needs me, I'll do what I can to be there for them because I respect and love my colleagues. But let's be clear, there was never a silver spoon in my mouth. I wasn't given a damn thing. I I went to school, I came from the streets of New York City, all right? I put on my bootstraps, I bust my tail. I went to high school studying electrical installation. I went to a Fashion Institute of Technology, Coach, before I went to Winston-Salem State studying advertising and communications. I went to Winston-Salem State for big house games on a scholarship because I went there for a tryout. I was not recruited. I went there for a tryout and hit 17 straight three-pointers against their starting lineup. That's how I got a scholarship, on the spot. And then I cracked my kneecap in half. So here's, here's what happens. I get left back in the third grade because I got a first grade reader level. I get promoted after that summer school to my right grade, which is the fourth grade, completed the fourth grade, got left back again because I still had a first grade reader level, remembered people laughing at me, swore it would never happen again. And from that moment forward, I've graduated with honors my entire life. And then I climb in this business with internships in Winston-Salem, two, in Atlanta, one, in Greensboro, North Carolina, high school reporter in New York, college and pro writer in Philly before I was elevated to a columnist, got promoted nine times. All of this stuff happens, and these guys want to go on the air talking about me and my mouth as if I don't have a resume to, to back it up. Now, I ask a rhetorical question to John Calipari. John Calipari, the coach at UMass, the coach at Memphis, the coach for the New Jersey Nets, the coach for Kentucky, I give you that resume, and you can ask your boy Bruiser Flynn and Monte Ross and others. Considering the stories that I've broken, which is more in one year than most of these dudes have broken in their careers, this is the news business, and nobody's generating news. Nobody's breaking stories. But I made a career out of doing it. And I am where I am today. Tell me what my, who my resume does not stack up against in the business and the profession of sports journalism. Anybody could take their time. I'll wait. But what they want to do is say, Oh, he's just got a big mouth on first take. They don't want to take into account the almost quarter of a century I put in this business before I got here. And that's where the resentment comes in from my estimation because they want to ignore the resume. Just like with you, they try to ignore the resume. But with a jo- or my, Coach Mike Krzyzewski, a Bobby Knight, and various other folks, oh, they'll remember the resumes of those they like. But those they don't like, they act like you don't have one. You're just a slickster or a loudmouth. That's the world we're living in, and that's the unfortunate reality. But I'm here to let them know I'm not going away.
0: Well, let me say this about you. Left one thing off. Those of us in this profession trust you. You couldn't do what you did unless you were trustworthy and honorable. That is correct. Remember that. that is, you did climb, that is you correct. did swing. People tried to hold you back. You worked, you spent more time. You could never have done it without relationships. Relationships drive recruiting, relationships drive ready teamwork, relationships drive yep. winning and excellence and longevity. Relationships. You're right, Coach. And the only way, that it can't be a one-way relationship. The guys don't mind giving you stuff or give it because they know you're trustworthy. You don't have agendas. You're going to write the truth. And there are times you said stuff about me. Someone would say, you know, yeah. Stephen A. said this and this. And I said, well, then that was his opinion, and I know it's not personal. And there are other guys in this profession that say stuff about me, and I will not get mad because you know what? Right. They're honorable, and they have opinions. Let let me do this because we're gonna do this before we leave. And we're we're all right, and this is heyday. Who do you take? John Wall or Derek Rose when he's healthy? Who you take?
1: You know what? Tough one, right? Up until up until this year, I would have said Derek Rose all day. Yeah. But what I'm seeing from John Wall is something proud. special. I'm proud. And I got and I gotta tell you. Derrick Rhodes has never played defense like John Wall plays defense.
0: And neither one of them played defense for me, but that's another thing. (laughs) But but, uh, here's another two. You ready? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns.
1: I love Carl Anthony Towns, but I'm taking Anthony Davis any day of the week. I love Anthony Davis, man. All right. Here's another one. I think Carl Anthony Towns is formidable, but he don't play defense like Anthony Davis.
0: All right. Devin Booker. Healthy Eric Bledsoe.
1: Believe it or not, I'm going to tell you, Eric Bledsoe. I love Devin Booker. I appreciate the 70 points. I didn't like the fact that they were celebrating like they won after he scored 70, but I appreciate the 70. But let me tell you something, Eric Bledsoe, killer. is a beast, a killer, when healthy, and I think he, I think he has Devin Booker has more of a sweet stroke. And he's more reliable as a scorer. But what I love about Eric Bledsoe is I think he's a killer. All
0: right, the only thing I'm going to tell you.
1: I don't see that in Booker yet.
0: Here for Carl Towns and Devin Booker, I probably got to ask you this question in five years and say when they were both in their prime, these guys, who would you take? Because they both of those two are still climbing. All right, I'm going to throw three names. LeBron, Michael, Kobe, how do we do this? How do we...
1: Uh, Oh, it's easy for me. It's easy easy. easy for me. Go ahead. Um, MJ is number one. Six for six with six NBA Finals MVPs. That's a flawless record in championship competition where he never saw a game seven. That's why it's easy. When I think about LeBron, whatever he is now, and he deserves all the credit in the world, he had to grow into that. Michael Jordan, when he arrived on the championship scene, he was ready. LeBron was not. I hold that against him, plus four NBA Finals losses, even though two of them is not his fault. The other two are on him. Kobe, not only does he have those two Finals losses, the blowout in five to the Detroit Pistons, and obviously annihilated by 39 points in the closeout game six against Boston in Boston in 2008. But what I also hold against Kobe is that even though it was not entirely his fault, he could have and should have done something to keep him and Shaq together. But he had individual goals that he wanted to accomplish, which are more than fair. But Kobe grew to be the wonderful person and teammate that he ended up being as a leader. He wasn't that way for a very, very long time. Michael Jordan does not have what Kobe and LeBron has on their resumes in terms of their struggles. That is the difference along with his flawlessness in a championship competition. I'm giving it to Michael Jordan all day every
0: okay, day. Okay, now I'm going to throw two things that I got to throw on the top of this with LeBron and Kobe. Yep. Michael Michael's advantages, he was in he was in North Carolina. Not only was okay. he in North Carolina, he was an efficient, he wasn't going to shoot 35 balls. He needed to be a great teammate. He had to learn how to lead and be a servant leader, which if you mm-hmm. remembered in Chicago, he gave up money so the team could stay together. You remember all that? He walked yep, into yes, the league. He walked into the league three years, maybe four years older than LeBron and Kobe. So the stuff you're saying to them, you're right. They went right out of high school. Think about that. And were thrown Whoa, into a man, into a man's world on teams? Right, that's fair. The, on teams that but, they were expected to carry. You ready? Well, you're wrong. At well, 19. Well, 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 Coach Cow.
1: Coach Cow, dare I say I'm very, very sorry to break this to you, but you're wrong. And I'm gonna tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why you're wrong, okay? Number one, LeBron, in terms of his struggles in the final, when he was in the finals in two thousand and eleven, he had already been in the league approaching his ninth year. That's number one. So don't give me the boy stuff out of high school. You had eight, nine years in the league. Damn it, you grew up by then. But that's number one. He did one. not have number, hold, the,
0: on. hold on. He did not have the foundation to
1: grow from that Michael had. Neither did Kobe. That's fair. That that's fair. But even Michael still needed to grow with Phil because even when he came in after playing for Dean Smith, he still had to go through years of struggle. And then Phil arrived there because he certainly wasn't or hadn't arrived there when Doug Collins was still a coach in Chicago before Phil Jackson. So no, I'm not buying that. Then we have Kobe, and what we have is a situation in Kobe. Yeah, Kobe came out of high school, and all of that's true. But the struggles with Kobe came after he had three rings, not before. So if you haven't learned anything after winning three championships, that's a problem. And I can't let you off the hook on that as much as I love me some Kobe Bryant. I can't let him off the hook with that particular instance. And last but not least, in the end, consider your question. You asked me who I'm taking and why. You didn't disagree yeah, with true. my that's point. That's true. You just no, gave no. reasons as no, to why I it was.
0: I didn't. I didn't. I think Michael – is, is the best ever and may be the best ever. And we may say it 20 years from now, still the best ever. And, and yep. the crazy thing is, um, if he took a month to get in shape, he could probably still play. That's what's scary. You give it. Well, I make. He could probably still average
1: twenty a night. He could probably still average twenty a night. <laughs> that's what's sick. That's like that's he'd like make when, 10, he'd make ten points a night. He'd make ten points a night on free throws alone. You
0: know who was the baseball player that they said could? You know these pitching these days. What could you do? And he said, you know, um, you know, well, I don't think I could. You know, I I could hit probably you know two eighty. Against these pitchers, Mm -hmm. but, and then he says, but I can't run real fast right now. So it would make it a little tougher for me to get the first base. So he's talking like, (laughs) as I am this age, I could go 280." but you know, this stuff, listen, Stephen A, you know, I appreciate you. You know how much I respect what you do. You know, I respect what you've been through. Let me say this. People start on third base, the pitcher balks and they get home and think they hit a home run. That ain't you. You started outside the stadium, had to fight your way, maybe sneak your way, had to do it with nothing, had no money to pay for the ticket, got in, had to figure out, how am I going to get in that dugout? You're you're the bat boy for a while. All of a sudden, you're out there throwing, and the guy looks at you and says, why aren't you on this team? And all of a sudden, you get up, and you hit that home run. And now, the people I respect the most – those are the people I respect because I know the struggles and and no one's helping you. Let, let me say this one. When I didn't have a dime, no one would give me a hamburger, a quarter, nothing. And when I have all the money I need, they try to give me stuff, cars, clothes, any, what, what do you need? And it's, it's backwards, but that's the life we live, and that's what this is about. And I'm I'm telling you, I'm proud to call you a friend. I know when you kill me, it's fine, because it ain't an agenda. It's your opinion. You keep doing your thing, man, and keep making a difference.
1: Stephen A. Love you, Coach. Love Appreciate you. Appreciate everything, man. Thank right. you so much. Bye-bye.
0: Well, again, I got him a little bit at the end where he really said, Stephen A to me you're wrong I finally got him at the end because I wanted us to go back and forth like we were having a cup of coffee talking about where he's been and people along the way and how he feels about different things and he was able to give that we talked a little bit about the ESPN stuff and again I feel bad for all of those that lost jobs I lost my job I know what this stuff is like some guys lost jobs and listen to me they're still getting paid for a year or two or whatever They still got fired. They're falling down the same steps as the guy that was at the end of his contract. It's more than just money. He talked about it. But I would say this listening to that, I hope you have a better idea of why he is who he is, why he takes the stances he does, and the principles he holds dear. He's got great relationships, which is why he's able to do the things that he does all about relationships, everything we do. Coach Cal, hope you enjoyed.